Some of you have prayed for him. His name's Ronnie. And uh, Ronnie's always been a God-fearing man, I believe. He's feared the Lord. He's believed in God. But uh, I don't know if Ronnie's ever actually received Christ as Savior. And uh, this Thursday, I got the privilege to go talk to him again. And something was different in Ronnie's voice. I've talked to him the gospel many times. And he says he believes, he says this, and he says that. But this time, just got a chance to speak to him. And we were talking about one thing and another. We met in a construction uh, in a stru- construction on a construction site, and I was talking to him about towel work and such and such, and uh, he looked right at me in the eyes, and he said, Matthew, he said, talk to me about the Lord. And so we talked, and uh, I said, Ronnie, would you like to receive Christ as Savior and pray right now and receive my Savior? And he said, I would. And after he prayed, the great streams of tears pouring down his face, and I've prayed for Ronnie for over five years, and God saved him. I believe he did. And I said, Ronnie, what do you want me to say at your funeral? He's dying. And uh, I, he said, what would, what would you say, Matthew? And I'd tell him that, well, that Ronnie trusted Christ as Savior, and he would like for me to tell you on how you can be saved too. He said, I like that. He said, you tell him that, Matthew. You know what, folks? We need to pray for people. We don't know how long it will be before they die. But we also don't know how long we might have to pray for them before they get saved. So you just keep praying. Maybe you've got a loved one, a friend, a relative. And uh, I pray that you'll do that too. Take your Bibles this morning and turn, if you will, to the Gospel of Matthew. I just wanted to share that with you, encourage you. Matthew chapter number 26. Thank you for those that came out yesterday. We had a great time yesterday. We were running the stairs at the apartment buildings, dodging managers, trying to stay away from people. Got out about a thousand gospel tracks yesterday. It was fun. My my legs, I got home, my legs are tired. I mean, I was sore. Marshall, man, he must have had coffee in his cereal that morning, though, man. He was just running up and down all over the place. Praise God. Good to see you this morning. Matthew 26 this morning, and we're going to be looking at just three verses, though we'll look at many of them this morning. I have no idea. I, the Lord really put this message on my heart and really put these, a series of messages on my heart uh, out of the Gospel of Matthew, uh, as beginning in 26, and we're going to be looking at several different sermons after, and in this gospel as we're leading up to uh, the uh, Resurrection Sunday day. Uh, and, uh, but Lord, I, I don't know why, but probably 10, 15 days ago, I think it was that the Lord just started kind of getting me, uh, prepared more on this sermon. And I really just, uh, just tell you the honest truth is that I really didn't have the message or the punchline, the climax, if you will, until just before church today. And it's a powerful question that we have to ask, not a, not a question, but really a powerful statement that we're going to see here in just a little bit. But it involves the life of a man named Judas. I'm sure all of you probably know that have grown up in church, and if you haven't, then Judas was a man that was an apostle, a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was one of the twelve 
the uh, books of Matthew and Mark and Luke tell us who the disciples were. And at the end of the list, they always tell us this about Judas. It says, is that Judas being the traitor. Uh, Judas was the one that betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that went to the Pharisees and told them, or the chief priests, and told him where he was at, where they could find him, where his hiding spot was. He became a spy for them. And he was the one that turned, them over, turned him over to the authorities. And he did it for just 30 pieces of silver. That 30 pieces would become nothing to him after he had done so, for he would take that 30 pieces of silver and take them back into that uh, hall that day and throw them back into uh, the chief priest, and then he would go out and commit a very heinous act upon himself. It's a sad, sad story of the life of Judas, a sad story. But really, I think in this story, there exists a message for us all, whether you're saved or whether you're lost. If you're lost this morning, then the message is very simple. You don't know Christ as Savior, then you need to realize this morning that you need to stop being a hypocrite. Don't ever think that baptism or church membership or because I showed up to church on a Sunday and ate a meal with all of God's people that I'm a Christian, that I'm, a, that I'm going to heaven. Don't think to yourself that I've done some spiritual things that makes me a Christian. Also, if you're a believer this morning, I would say this to you, that it's very easy and can very be sim- very simple for you and for me as believers in Christ Jesus the Lord to slip off maybe into this role of hypocrisy and, if you will, put on a mask and act as if everything's okay, when in reality we know that is not. Judas, at the end of his life, says to the Lord... He asks a question, and this is what God showed me even this morning. He said, Master, is it I? We need to learn in our lives to stop asking questions to God that are tinged with doubt. That's how Satan got Eve, did he not? He asked a doubtful question to her. And I'll ask you this morning... Are you asking doubtful questions to God? God is not upset with questions from the ignorant. He's not upset with questions that are wanting to know the truth. He's not mad at people that ask questions. He's not upset, nor does he mind it if you ask him a question. But it's those questions that are tinged with doubt, that are tainted with doubt, need to be turned around. Instead of asking, Master, is it I? He should have said, declaratively, Master, it is I. It is I. I want you to think about something else too this morning. Is that in every message that we come to, no matter what it is, is that all of us can be tempted to think about somebody else. And we must never do that in any sermon that we come to. We may do that after the sermon. We may do that before the sermon. We may pray for somebody and there's no, re- there's no reason that we shouldn't. But when it comes to the sermon time, it is time where God is wanting to relay a message to us. 
And if you're thinking about this person or that person, you may miss the message that God wants for you. And it might just be very short. I've been in sermons before where really the whole entire message that really I got nothing out of until finally the preacher said one statement, and that was what I needed. That was it. Sometimes it's a whole sermon that really speaks to my heart. But sometimes it's just one statement. And I don't know what God has for you today, but I know what he's given to me. He's made me to realize that I need to stop asking doubtful questions. And instead of asking a doubtful question, I need to make a declarative statement. And I'll tell you, my friend, many times that it is not you, it is not me, it is not you, it is not you that I need to be looking at, but it is me. The word hypocrite is a very interesting word. It is a word that means mask. And the title of my message today is this, Take Off the Mask. And that's what I've asked God to do for me. Not once do I ever come before you. I believe, I try in my sincerity to not ever come before you and preach a message that God has not already preached to me. That I have been examined thoroughly and I try to ask God, God, what is it in my life where I have been hypocritical? And you know what? God showed me some things. God let me see some things. And I've said, Lord, I want to take the mask off. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to be who I am. I want to be what you want me to be. I don't want to live this life to build mine. I want to build you up, God. I want to build you up. This one here before us today uh, is very interesting because a hypocrite is not one that is doing evil all the time. Judas was not one throughout the Gospels that you find at the very beginning of his, the first time you find him. You don't find him doing outlandish evil deeds. You don't find him doing ungodly things in front of everybody. You don't see any of this. That's not what a hypocrite does. But in fact, a hypocrite is wearing a mask. A hypocrite is hiding. And it's time that all of us take off the mask and get real with God. Amen? It's time we all take off a mask. All of us have masks in our closet. All of us are tempted at times to put on the mask. And I would say that if you are honest with yourself and you are honest with God, and I'm not asking you to be honest with me, I am not your priest, that you, my friend, have put on a mask a time or two. Come on now, we all have. But the thing about this is that I want you to see a couple of things this morning, a couple of facts about hypocrites. Number one is this, is that hypocrites have deceitful qualities that look spiritual. They have deceitful qualities that look spiritual. Now I have you in our text here in Matthew 26 in verses number 14 through 16. And the Bible says, Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest and said unto him, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Can I remind you that Judas was not always this way. They have in our text here in front of us, it might seem that this was Judas's character all the way throughout. That he was always this evil, conniving uh, snake in the grass. But if I could take you for a moment in your Bibles into the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 6. Mark, chapter number 6, and let us notice here, first of all, as I said already, hypocrites have deceitful qualities that oftentimes can look spiritual. 
That's the problem with hypocrisy. Is that there is a deceitfulness. There is a hiding there. And in Mark chapter number 6, look here in verses number 12 and 13, that Jesus tells his disciples a very clear commands, these 12 that he has commissioned, and he tells them to go out two by two in verses number 7, and then he tells them what to do in verses number 10 and, 10 and 11, and then in verse number 12, it tells us what they did. And what did they do? Look what it says for us. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Now, number one is this, is that hypocrites are oftentimes and can be zealous. Uh, What do you call a street preacher? A zealot. Amen? I mean, he's a zealous kind of guy. I mean, if you ever watch on YouTube, some guy that's out there street preaching, I mean, that, and you might get some bad ones too, don't, don't get me wrong there, but nonetheless, is that a street preacher is somebody that is rather zealous. They're rather passionate. They're rather ardent. It takes somebody very special, very zealous to get out there in front of everybody and preach the gospel and get some wonderful signs given back to them, hand signals or, uh, or, or, or some yelling or some... Uh, or some cursings, or some, uh, I don't want none of that, or just some simply ignoring you. It takes a zealous person to do that. That's what they did. They went into the towns, and they preached the gospel unto these people. Judas was a part of these people. He was zealous in his actions. Hypocrites are sincere. Hypocrites are and can be sincere. Look at verse number 13. And they cast out many devils and anointed oil with many that were sick and healed them. Can I tell you something right now is that before the age of 19 that I was a very good hypocrite? I was a lost man. I was lost. But you know what? Here's the thing. I went to church three times a week. I had read my Bible. I had done devotions. I had memorized scripture. I I, uh, went to Christian camps. I went on a trip to Africa and told people about the gospel in Kenya and other places. I did those things before I got saved. Before I got saved. But you know what I was? A total hypocrite. That's what I was. I was a hypocrite. I even went to Bible college. You say people that are not saved go to Bible college all the time. All the time they do. I was there. I was one of them. I went there. Judas preached. I was sincere. Listen to me. I didn't go to Kenya, Africa uh, for the thoughts uh, of, uh, uh, of getting my own self-pleasure. No, I really wanted to help people. I had sincerity in my heart. I did. I did. Judas was sincere. He went about healing folks, anointing them with oil. I'll tell you, it takes a sincere person to look down at somebody that's plagued with some kind of plague or some kind of uh, deformity or some kind of sickness and then to take oil out of a bottle and then to rub it upon their head. That takes sincerity. You don't see, you don't see insincere people doing that. He was sincere in what he was doing. He was appreciative. In what he, I don't know what his heart was like at all points and all times, but I just want to point out to you that these positive and deceitful qualities are something that a hypocrite has. Hypocrites are also can be followers of Jesus Christ. Judas was a disciple. Say it with me. He was a what? Disciple. That's what he was. That's what the Bible calls him. He was a follower of the Lord. 
You mean to tell me, preacher, that somebody in this congregation that are sitting here today, you mean to tell me that somebody here that, that, that maybe has even done this or done that or has been here for this long or done that, you mean to tell me that they could be a hypocrite and not even saved? Yes, could be. Here's the thing, though. I know nobody's heart. Amen? I'll throw up my hands right now. I don't know your heart. I don't know who you are in your deepest recesses. But I do know this. Judas was a disciple. Judas saw Jesus walk on the water. Judas saw him feed the 4,000 and the 5,000. Jesus saw all his healings. Jesus was there for all his sermons. Jesus was an eyewitness to the accounts of Jesus Christ. I cannot tell you how many sermons I heard before I ever got saved. I can't tell you. Hundreds, maybe thousands, before I ever trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. Just because you're here today, don't pat yourself on the back, amen, all right? That doesn't mean you're a Christian. Some people think that if I walk into a building, that, a building that uh, has a name of a church on the outside of it, all of a sudden I'm a Christian. You're not a Christian because you come to church. You're not a Christian because you got wet. You're not a Christian because you, took, because you took some communion. You're not a Christian because you even preached the gospel. You're not a Christian. Listen to what the Bible says. Jesus says this, not everyone, not everyone, not everyone, not everyone, what am I saying? Not what? Everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into my kingdom. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not preached in thy name, O Lord? Uh, And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then while I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. These are all deceitful qualities. Why is it? You know what the problem with the folks in Matthew chapter number 7 and the problem with Judas is? It is this, have we not done? Have we not done? Have we not done? That's always the problem with the hypocrite. It's all about me. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. Look what I've done. And we always need to turn it around and we need to look what Christ has already done. Christ died on the cross for your sins, my friend. Who is it that will come into eternal life? It is he that doeth the will of my Father. What is the will of God? The will of God is to believe on the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That is the will of God. That is the will of God. You're saying it's not the will of God to preach? I'm not saying that, but I'm saying this. It's not the will of God to preach before you get saved. It's not the will of God to heal people. I'm not saying that, but it's not the will of God to heal people before you get saved. Don't ever you rely upon that. If you're relying upon anything else, if I were to seclude you all by yourself and I, you knew that you were in front of an impartial judge and nobody would hear what words you had said and I would ask you, what is it that you are relying on, trusting and believing in to save your soul from hell? What would your answer be? If it's anything less than Jesus Christ, my friend, then my friend, you are in trouble. It's Jesus Christ 
and him crucified. There is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. That's it. There's nothing else. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not only do we see that a hypocrite has deceitful qualities that can look spiritual, but we also see this, is that a hypocrite possesses devilish qualities. I'm convinced the more and more that I'm around people, (laughs) I might even say this, the more and more I'm around myself, that we don't know ourselves like we should. Uh, I don't, this really has nothing to do with the message, all right? But if you're not married here this morning, may I encourage you, before you find somebody to marry, before you fall in love and have all the little birds singing around you and everything, life is perfect and everything, you know, that's the way it is before you get married, right? I mean, you're just love birds and you think that everything, everything is going to be okay and nothing's ever going to come between me and my wife and my, my husband. I mean, life is going to be perfect, you know? This has nothing to do with the message, okay, by the way. But can I encourage you, if you're not married this morning, can I encourage you to know yourself, to know who you are? What your strengths are, what your, uh, what your, what your weaknesses are, what your, what your temperament is, who you are in life. I realized some things about myself before I got married. And when I've met Karis, I said, you know what, that's the one I need right there. She completes me. She does. She does. I'm convinced more and more that we do not know ourselves like we do, like we should. We, had, we have not and we do not take a deep look inside of ourselves and think to ourselves, just who am I? What, is, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What is my problems? Why is it that I constantly fail? Why is it that I constantly go to my pet sin? Why is it that I cannot stop living this way? Instead of asking these questions, instead of searching deep within our hearts, what do most people like to do? They like to placate those things. They like to cover those things up. And so they grab a beer. They grab some, they grab some alcohol. They grab a joint. They grab some medicine. They go to the doctor. They go to the psychologist. They go here. They go there. They try to cover it up with relationships. They try to do whatever they can so that they don't have to look inside. Listen to me, my friend. God is wanting you to take a serious look at your heart. I have many favorite passages in the Bible, but perhaps one of my top five is whenever Jacob meets God in the wilderness. I just love that passage. I preach on it all the time. I say it too many times if you're here regularly. But I just love it. It just means so much to me. Because there is Jacob and he's wrestling with God. And you might be wrestling with God this morning. And he says, what is thy name? And he says, Jacob. He admits to God who he is. He takes a long, hard look at himself. And that's the thing that Judas was never willing to do. He was never willing to do that. Judas was a thief. Who else is a thief? The devil. Amen? 
The thief cometh but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, John 10.10 says. Judas was a thief. He had the bag, and because he was the thief, he bare what was in, bare what was in it. Judas had been skimming off the top after Judas was said and gone, is that the disciples got to going back to the accounting books, and they realized, you know what? Oh, there's some money missing here. He was an extortioner. I'm sure it was easy for him the first time to take those things. But then it, I'm sure it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy the first time, but it became easier and easier. That's the thing about sin. I don't know where you're at with sin this morning. I don't know what your issue might be. But maybe you're headlong into that thing. Maybe it's time to repent. He was greedy. You know who else is always greedy? Satan. Satan. Uh, some, may, some, some theologians think that he was made into one of the most beautiful angelic beings that ever were created. But that wasn't enough for him, was it? He wanted to be God. Not like God. He wanted to be God. Judas was greedy. Matthew 26 and verse number 15. What will you give me and I will deliver him you. And they coveted with him 30 pieces of silver. One way to be sure that you don't put on the mask of hypocrisy is by keeping a right mind about money. Can I say that real quick? I guess I can. I just did. (laughs) Judas let money get to his heart and produce greed. It produced hypocrisy. Money will change people. Ever seen money change somebody? Money is weird. Or I should say, money does weird things to people. Weird things. For some of us, if we got a halt of a million dollars, it'd be better for us to not tithe, not 10%, it'd be better for us to tithe 90% of that thing and just to get rid of it. Most people can't handle money. We just can't. Judas couldn't handle it. It turned him from being a disciple to being a thief to being greedy. Having food and raiment, therefore, let us be content. But the rich will fall into temptation and a snare and many and foolish and hurtful lusts which will drown men in destruction and perdition. That's exactly what happened to Judas. For money is the root of all evil. Ah, some of you caught that, didn't you? That's not what the Bible says. That's what the world says. You meet a worldly friend, they'll say that to you, won't they? They'll say, oh, money is the root of all evil. You need to correct them. You say, ah, 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 that's not what the Bible says. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's the root of all evil. Think about that. For the love of money, Judas betrayed the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Money. Money will turn you, my friend. Money will turn you into a hypocrite. Money will turn you into a thief. These will do those things. He was a betrayer. He was a spy. But most of all, you know what kept the mask on him? It's the same thing that keeps the mask on you today. If you're a lost man, a lost lady this morning, and you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, the thing that will keep your mask on and keep you from falling on your knees and telling God that you are lost and that you are a sinner and that you need the Lord. I was talking to somebody the other day about this, and I was saying that, you know, the Bible tells us that we ought to come to Jesus Christ as a little child. You ever seen a little child get lost in a grocery store or somewhere? And tears are streaming down their face. And they're looking for mama. They're looking. Where's the... When I see somebody get saved, especially somebody that's older, and I truly, they truly trust Jesus Christ as Savior, it's like their face turns into a little child. 
they're lost, they're hopeless, and they're looking for an answer. And when they find their Savior, their Lord, oh, how a joy comes over them. That's the way it is with a little kid that gets lost in the supermarket. Whenever they find mommy, I mean, the tears, they're streaming down their face, and they find mom, and there she is, and they're all the joy that brings to their heart. But you know what? Here's the thing that will hold you back from any of that. P-R-I-D-E. The hypocrite, Judas, for example, today was a thief. He was a betrayer. He was greedy. See, I'm not any of those things. Yeah, but I'll tell you one thing that every hypocrite is. Prideful. Prideful. Unwilling to remove the mask. Unwilling. Christian, are you willing to take off the mask? And you say, I've been loving money too much. God can work with a lot of people. And he does work with a lot of people. But there's one person he can't work with, cannot work with a prideful person. He can't. 1 Peter 5 says this. This is the word of God on it. This is the word of God. This is not me. This is God's word on it. Don't believe, don't believe me. Believe God's word. This is what God's word says. God resisteth the proud. He can't work with you, my friend. You're an abomination to him. You're an abomination. God can work with a lot of different sinners. Amen? But if a sinner, no matter what he's got in his life, if he's got or she's got pride there boiling up inside of it, God says, I resist you. I resist you. I can't do this. I can't handle this. I can't, I can't deal with you. God even gave grace and mercy to a bunch of idol worshipers in the book of, in, in the, in the book of I think it's in the book of Judges or in 1st or 2nd Samuel, a bunch of idol pagans who, 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 who found some priests to try to teach them about God and so they could fear God. They didn't get saved. They weren't, they, weren't, they weren't Christians. They weren't Jews. But God, they were getting attacked by all these lions. And they said, why are we getting attacked by all these lions? And somebody said, you don't know the law of God. And they said, well, teach us the law of God. And they said, okay, here it is. And they tried to do their best to follow it. Why? Because at least they didn't have enough pride and enough realization that, you know what? There's a God in heaven that's bigger and stronger than me. And I need to call out to him. I need to find some grace in his sight. God resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble humble yourselves therefore in the sight of God and he shall what lift you up humble yourselves prostrate yourself that's what humble means fall down before God Worship God. Most men and women think that if I fall down, then I will stay down. But here's the thing, my friend. If that you won't fall down, is that God will put you down. And you need to fall down so that God himself... Marco, come over here and help me for a second. So that God, pull me up, may lift me up. That's what it is. Thank you, sir. God can lift you up. Do you think God could have lifted up this man, Judas? Look what it says. But he was deaf to the pleas of Jesus Christ. He was unreflective on the death. He was 
there that time in John chapter number 12, and you can turn there because we'll be there for just a second. In John chapter number 12, in verses number 7 through 8, there he is, and Jesus is there, and the lady with the alabaster box is there. And, and in John chapter number 12, in verse number 4, whenever she breaks the box, it's Judas that speaks up and says, Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the bag, and he bare that was it. He wanted to take a little money off the top. But he was not conscious of the Lord's death. Neither were the rest of his disciples, I'll say that also. And I preached on that last week. And we all need to be so careful that we keep the number one purpose in life, our purpose, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we don't, we err, we fail. Judas missed it. But Jesus rebukes him and looks right at him and says, Then said Jesus, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying has she kept this. For the poor always have ye with you. But me, looking right into the eyes of Judas, you have not always. A little rebuke. You know what I found about hypocrites that are prideful, that won't come to Christ, that won't repent? Is they cannot handle even the smallest of rebukes. Can't handle it. But can't. Because it was from this moment that immediately after this that Judas went out to betray him. It was from here that he left to go betray the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For there you go from John chapter 12 to John chapter number 13. And it reveals to us a little bit more. Jesus is not done with our friend here. He's not done with this man, Judas. He's not done with him. He has said he has already rebuked him once, but is he done? No, he's not. Look at Judas, look at John chapter number 12 and verse number 13, chapter 13 and verse number 21. There at the dinner, the Passover lamb, the Passover is being served. And when Jesus had said thus, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. He knew who he was. He knew who he was. Why not speak up? Why not say something? Pride. Would he repent here? No, he would not. Go on down to verse number 26. They say to him, who is it, Lord? Who is it? And Jesus answered and said unto them, said, it, he it is to whom I shall give a sop. And when I, have, when I have dipped it, and when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. You don't need to turn there, but the commentary that goes in between this verse and the next is what Judas says to the Lord. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? Jesus says, Thou hast said. It means correct, it is you, just as you said it was. And Satan entered into him, and then Jesus saith unto him, that thou doest do quickly. Master, is it I? Master, is it I? Folks, it's time we stop asking questions that are tainted with doubt. He knew it was him. There was no question it was him. Jesus said, whoever I give the sop to, it is the one that must betray me. He knew it without a shadow of a doubt. He knew he was the traitor. Master, 
Is it I? That was his moment. That was his time. That was whenever he should have said, Master, it is I. It is I. You say, what what about this? And what about this passage and that passage? Listen to me, my friend. I know, all I know is what happened. I don't know what could have happened. But I know this, my friend, that God in his sovereign wisdom can do whatever he pleases. But this is the way our story works out for us. Christian, may I tell you this today? When something goes wrong in your life, you need to stop saying, is God good? You need to turn that doubt into a declarative statement. And you need to say, God is good. You need to stop saying, does God love me? That's a question that's tinned with doubt. You know what God does. God does love you. You need to say, yes, God does love me. You need to stop. We need to stop asking God questions tainted with doubt. And ask and make those things true statements. Is it in the Bible? Is it true about God here? Then stop asking doubtful questions. It is truth. And rely upon the truth. You say it doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but the Bible says it clearly. My ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts, saith the Lord. They are not yours. You're never going to think exactly like God. Why is that? Because you're not God. That's the most declarative statement I've said so far. And easiest to understand. We are not the Lord. God has got a much bigger plan than us. And Judas should have rerouted his plans here at this very moment. But he did not. For the Bible tells us back in Matthew chapter number 27, and I'll give you the rest of the story. In chapter number 27 and verse number 3, that Judas, when he betrayed him, saw that he was condemned. And he repented himself. Do you know that word repent there is not the same word that you find throughout the rest of your New Testament? It's a totally different word. The word repent in your New Testament, the majority of the times means this. It means to turn around, to go the opposite direction. That's not what this word means. This word means regret, to feel sorry for himself. He's doing the exact same thing that Saul did back in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. It's the exact same thing. You felt sorry for yourself, and he feels sorry for himself. He's concerned with about himself, and that's what I'm trying to preach to you about this morning, is that you and my friends have to realize this morning that it's not about me, it's about the Lord. Life is about God. It's not about me. It is about the Lord. It's not about regret and what I've done and all feel sorry for me. That's what Esau did. But he found no place of repentance. Even though he sought it bitterly with tears. Why is that? Because it was about himself. It was regret. It was not a repentance founded in the Lord. Acts 20 and 21 says, Testifying both to Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. True repentance And this morning, I want to be a GPS. I want to be like that annoying lady on the GPS. That when you miss your turn, it says rerouting, 
rerouting, missed turn, take a U-turn. I can't take a U-turn right now, lady. You know, why do we get mad? Uh, I hear just men laughing right now, and that's very interesting <laughs> to me. Women are just like, oh, yeah, we need to take a U-turn. You know what I mean? They just, you missed it. You know, that's what you know, men are like, oh, yeah, stop nagging at me, you old hag on there. You know what I mean? You're talking to the GPS, can't even listen to you, can't even hear you. Well, maybe they can. Uh, but we're fighting the GPS, but my friend, listen to me this morning. This is God's guidance system right here. This is God's way, and God this morning is trying to tell you to take a U-turn. Take the mask off, Christian. Take the mask off, sinner, and realize who you are, not before yourself, not before your family, not before anybody else. Realize who you are before God. A sinner, a person, a man, a woman, a teenager that is in need of the desperate mercy and grace and long-suffering and faithfulness of God Almighty. And the only way you're going to receive that this morning is by being humble. Sinner, do you see the awful dilemma that you are right now in front of the Almighty God? Take off the mask. Stop parading around as something that you are not. Stop thinking that your sincerity or your zeal or your following are going to get you somewhere with God. None of it will. I'll tell you what will get you somewhere with God. Humility. And calling upon the Lord to save you from your sins. Whenever I called upon the Lord to save me, can I tell you it was gut-riching. It was humbling. I had stood in front of people and preached the gospel at Bible college. I had gone out on Christian service. I was an assistant prayer leader in my dorm. And then I had to tell these guys that I was a fake and a phony. That was gut-riching. That was humiliating. That was a fall flat on my face experience and everybody else got to watch. You ever fallen down and you, get, and, you, and you get up, brush yourself off, and then what do you do? What's the first thing? You look around, see if anybody's looking at you. You know, Anybody see that? Yeah, watching it. That's what I experienced. I fell flat on my face and everybody else was going to look at me. But I tell you what, my friend, it was the best day of my life. Because after I got saved and I fell flat on my face, guess what God did? Lifted me up. That's what he did. And I don't care how many masks you got on or how many you got in the closet. I don't care what you've done in your life or how bad you've been or what you've been doing. None of that matters. What matters is this. Do you see who you are before God? And are you willing to take the mask off? He'll save you, my friend. He'll lift you up if you'll humble yourselves before him. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord.
Let us all this morning not look at anybody else, but let us all for a moment look inside our own hearts and take off the mask. Father, we're thankful.